0: And I want to dismiss the children, the little ones up through grade 4, to some wonderful teachers ready for you. And I want to thank you, worship leaders, for wonderfully bringing us into God's presence today. I've begun receiving Christmas cards. Have you? And this one was particularly beautiful. And I would just like to read one line to you that uh, the person who sent it to me wrote. It would be wonderful if the world were as peaceful as this picture depicts. It would be wonderful if our world looked like Christmas cards, (laughs) but it doesn't. And so the theme, as you know, that we have for these weeks leading up to Christmas and the end of this year, you've seen it on the screen before, That God proclaims into our world that he would like to speak good news of great joy for all people. And maybe you can't see it from where you're sitting, but those words that come out, dear Jean Graff, who helped put this graphic together, thank you, Jean, those are headlines, most of them bad news headlines that she just pulled off of the news. And it occurred to me, Jean, as I was coming in today, that We could probably start with a fresh slide every week, couldn't we? Because there's enough bad news in seven days to fill the screen. Did you hear the news this morning that now yet another American hostage was killed, this time in Yemen? A photographer who was there primarily to take pictures and tell the stories of life in Yemen in a positive, encouraging way. And the byline said, Yemen has lost a friend. A young man... His life snuffed out by terrorists. Or maybe the chokehold riots this week in different parts of the country. Last week, as we lit the first candle, we considered that into this broken world, God wants to speak hope. Uh, There are some notes, as always, for you, as you know, in your worship folder. And last week I showed you that hope is found, first of all, in the person of Jesus, Anywhere else that you look, you will find yourself eventually once again hopeless. Hope is awakened in the opportunities that God places before you and me to take steps of faith. Hope is stirred in us as we encounter people whose lives have been changed by the power of Jesus. Isn't that true? And if there's someone that you know or is in your family who has been set free from the shackles of alcohol because of the power of Jesus, or set free from the shackles of drugs because of the power of Jesus, you understand that a changed life can awaken hope in others. Is that right? And last week we saw for the letter E that hope, <laughs> hope is for everyone, everywhere, and the hope that Jesus offers is intended to be an eternal hope. He doesn't give it on Monday and take it away on Tuesday. And it's intended not only for this earthly journey, but for all of eternity. So I wrote for you on the front of the worship folder this week, peace, everyone pursues it, some frantically, but few ever grasp and live it. The debris evidence of the absence of peace is undeniable and everywhere. Do you agree with that? The no peace damage done in broken lives is the harsh reality of the human journey in every generation, everywhere in the world. Jesus came to bring peace into our peace-shattered world. But is it really attainable? What does what it maybe look like through the eyes of a little child? Uh, you've been at those places where there's a Santa and people line up and the little kids get on the Santa's lap and he gets to ask, so what do you want? Look at it through the eyes of a little girl once. Watch this.
1: Hello, young man and young lady. What can I get you for Christmas this year? Transformers, all of them. All of them? What about you, young lady? What can Santa bring you? A little peace and quiet? Peace and quiet? Wouldn't you rather have a toy or something? No, please. Just a little peace and quiet. See, my brother's driving me nuts, jabbering about the Transformers toy he wants for Christmas. My parents are dragging us from house to house for Christmas parties, so I'm sleep-deprived. Look at these bags under my eyes, and I'm only eight. Oh, yeah, my parents are really excited about this, so we have to wave and smile. We have company coming over next week, and the house is a huge wreck. The Pastrider Church says we should be boycotting all the stores, because they say, Happy Holidays instead of Merry Christmas. And to top it all off, I'm trying to wrap my head around this whole idea of God becoming a man. And how could it be all powerful and a little baby at the same time? So I would just like a little peace and quiet this Christmas. Oh, yeah. And a Barbie doll. <laughs> all right. Let's wait till my mom and dad one more time. Thank you for your time. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you. What
2: did you ask Santa for, sweetie?
0: The dog. I wonder what you would say if you had a chance to crawl up into Santa's lap. <laughs> what would you say if you crawled up into God's lap? And God asked you, what would you like me to do in your life, in your family, in your world this Christmas season? Let's think for a moment about the reality of this peace search that every person is involved in. You and I live in what I would like to call a peace malnourished world. Malnourished isn't a word we use very often here in America, but in much of the rest of the world, it's a harsh reality. And it rips out your heart when you see children who are only eating maybe once every other day. In a place where I have been, I've seen moms gathering up the dirt on the ground and adding a little water and just a little bit of flour and feeding that to their children to put something in their stomachs so they feel like they've eaten. Malnourishment. We are a peace malnourished, starved world. Because peace, hunger, is natural. God placed inside of you, when you were in your mother's womb, a desire for peace. That's why when you were a tiny little infant, the safest place for you was in your mother's arms at her breast. It was peaceful there. You could hear her heart beating as you laid your head on her chest. And it didn't take very long in your journey and mine, and you realize that's not reality. Our world isn't a peaceful place. The psalmist said, and one of our theme verses a couple of years ago from Psalm 62 said, Find rest or peace, O my soul, in God alone. Every one of us has a natural hunger for peace. But it's almost impossible to find it, isn't it? May I suggest to you, peace is God's normal for you and me. When he made the universe, when he made this planet, all was peaceful. The first two people here, Adam and Eve, there was peace between them. No marital conflict there. Peace with God. He walked in the garden with them regularly, talked with them often, it says, and peace with all of God's creation. So what happened? We are the problem. We distort peace. We destroy peace. People are the peace breakers. Do you agree with that? This would be a wonderful place if it wasn't for us. (laughs) Your neighborhood, mine, our country, our families would be wonderful places if it wasn't for people. But the truth is, my friends, that while God has placed in us this hunger for peace, there is a battle that rages. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, starting with your peace and mine. Am I right? Can you see the evidence all around you? In your world? So let's visually experience this for a minute. I'm going to ask John to bring the lights way down because the reality is that our world is a dark place. Peace is almost entirely absent. But into the darkness, God speaks hope. Peace, you see, my dear friends, peace begins to awaken inside of any person as darkness begins to dissipate. Now think about your life and look at that statement. Peace begins to awaken as darkness begins to dissipate. So what dissipates the darkness? How about God's truth into the lies that you and I believe and destroy us? How about God's presence and his power in the midst of our pain? How about God's healing of broken relationships? Do you see, peace begins to awaken as darkness dissipates. Darkness dissipates with light. Two candles cross and a crash. I am the light of the world, Jesus said. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. So how much of the light of his truth... And his power and his presence have you experienced. Peace awakens as the darkness dissipates as you and I experience the love. The unshakable, unearnable love of God in those places in your life and mine where those who should have loved us didn't. Peace. Peace awakens in us as Jesus defeats what I'm calling the thief effect, the damage done by the thief in families. And every one of us in this room has been touched by that in business in environments, in communities. As Jesus defeats the thief effect, so what would be some thief effect? How about the wounds that you and I carry because somebody lied to you? How about the wounds because somebody broke a promise? How about the wounds because somebody was untrustworthy? How about the wounds because someone rejected and abandoned you who should have loved you? Peace awakens as Jesus defeats the thief effect because there's nothing else that can defeat the thief effect. Am I right? so listen uh, to again uh, and John please bring the lights up a little bit Uh, Isaiah chapter 8 Greg and and Julian family read it for us a a little bit ago when Isaiah the prophet in a time of great darkness speaks hope when men tell you verse 19 of chapter 8 of Isaiah to consult mediums and spiritists who mutter and whisper should not a people inquire of their God does that sound like America and western Europe Places where once our schools celebrated the reality of the Ten Commandments and there was prayer. Once where businesses didn't mind at all if you had a Bible on your desk or or, or that you carried it with you and you brought God's truthful business practices into business. A, A place where once entertainment was truly entertaining on the television and wholesome and wasn't blasting your house with gunshots. What happens when a people pushes back against that And instead invites the darkness. This is what happens. It encroaches upon you and peace is sucked out of our lives and our families and our societies. And people start pursuing spiritists and mediums. Why consult the dead on behalf of the living, Isaiah says. To the law and to the testimony, it's a call. A Jewish prophet writing to Jewish people who understand. The answers are found in what God says. So God speaks to Moses. Here are the laws of how life should be lived. In peace and harmony with me and with each other. The Ten Commandments and the other laws. The testimony. Here is the wonderful witness of the reality of relationship with God. The Ark of the Covenant sometimes called the Ark of the Testimony. The testimony was a declaration of the wonder of the truth of relationship that can be lived with God. If they do not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn, no hope. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land, and when they are famished, they will become enraged, and looking upward, they will curse their king and their God. Do you see it happening, my friends, all around us? Then they will look toward the earth looking all around them at the circumstances that surround them and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. Isn't that what the headlines are proclaiming to us every day? And they will be thrust into utter darkness. But Isaiah says, take hope, there will come one who will change all that. Nevertheless, chapter 9, verse 1, there will be no more gloom for those who were once in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. Those are the northern districts, as you know, are the northern part of Israel. That area where when the king of Assyria came in with his armies, beginning in 734, ending in 722 B.C., destroyed the northern kingdom, ravaged those communities, dragged off thousands of people into slavery. But in that very same place, Jesus would come. And that's why it says there, But in the future he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. What is the light? Jesus, who came to that place. Nazareth, where he was raised, is in that place. Capernaum and all the area around the Sea of Galilee, where he walked and lived and taught and healed, is in that place. In a place of great darkness, God came and he brought hope. So, question you don't live in Zebulun or Naphtali. You live in Lake Geneva or Elkhorn or Dublin. Is it a dark place? Do you see the evidence of darkness there? And has Jesus come? Does Jesus live in your town? Is the light of Jesus pushing back the darkness, starting in your home? Because you are a person who claims to have trusted Jesus Christ. Has your life been profoundly changed so that where you live is a lighthouse? Because Jesus is there. For unto us, verse 6, a child is born, and to us a son is given. Isaiah now is speaking futuristically as, as reality, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of his increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Those four great titles, as the people heard Isaiah proclaim them, they couldn't imagine what kind of a person would be like that. But when Jesus came, he was like that. And we can look back now and say, yes, he was a fulfillment of that wonderful counselor. Don't you love the fact that 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 first title, if you will, starts with good news. Wonderful. (laughs) This one who comes will be wonderful and he will bring wonderful hope and peace with him. When Moses at the burning bush met him, he gave the name I am. I am wonderful. I am more than you will ever need. I am fully aware of what's going on in your life. I am all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing. I am. When you recognize that the Jesus who came here is the great I am, he said before Abraham was I am, then whatever the situation is that's going on in your life that's breaking your heart, the great I am is a heart healer. Amen? Uh, Let wonderful counselor, if you will, be a phrase that speaks to your heart. Counselor, that that means wisdom, counsel, guidance. In fact, you remember that when Jesus was with his friends in the upper room and he brought them great hope and peace, as he began to explain that he was leaving them, he said, don't worry, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I will send another counselor to be with you forever. Have you encountered the great I am as your personal counselor? Guiding you through every single day. Heart healing. Wisdom giving. Guidance offering counselor for you every day. Mighty God. El Gibor. Or how about this one? El Shaddai. The all sufficient God. More than sufficient for whatever you need. If if wonderful counselor speaks to my heart... Mighty God speaks to my head. Because as I look around, uh, the circumstances of life can overwhelm me. Uh, the questions can be too big for me. I, I need answers. Mighty God. The things that hold me and, and, and shackle me and, and break my life can be too powerful for me. Mighty God. The shackle-breaking God. Amen? Amen? Mighty God is sovereign over truth, all truth, because he's the definer of truth. Mighty God is sovereign over time, all time. So if you find yourself in a time crunch, he's sovereign over that. Uh, Mighty God is sovereign over titles, whatever they might be. Sovereign God, he is sovereign over terror and terrorism. And he's sovereign even over the thief. Do you agree with that? So, so my, my friends, whatever it is that is overwhelming you, frightening you, Uh, Causing anxiety to well up inside of you and you're gripping, you're barely holding on by your fingernails. Isaiah says when he comes, he will be mighty God. Ready to unleash all of his power into whatever your need is. Have you experienced it? He will be everlasting father. Everlasting alpha and omega before the beginning, after the end. Father. Uh, Do you know that for some people the word father is a very painful word? Men, every man in the room. Did you find it to be true, even now at your age, whatever your age, there was one voice from the time you were a little boy that you longed to hear? And you longed to hear that voice say, I'm proud of you, my son. I'm proud to be your dad, and I'm proud that you're my son. my guess is at least half the men in this room didn't hear it or didn't hear it often enough. And if you're really honest with yourself, you have been driving yourself to earn your father's approval. And in many of our cases, he's been gone for years, and still you drive yourself desperately yearning for father's approval. Jesus is everlasting father. Paul, when he writes to the Galatians, he says, we move from being an alien, an orphan, a slave to a son. When we trust Jesus to be our Savior. Every woman in the room, from the time you were a little girl, the safest place on the planet is sitting on daddy's lap. And he's got his arms around you and he's whispering in your ears as a little girl, I love you. You're my little princess. You're beautiful and nobody's ever going to hurt you. But many of you never heard it, did you? And so all of your adult life, you have been longing for a man to love you in an honorable, safe way. Many, many, many of us bear what is called the father wound. And it's deep, and it can almost be paralyzing because we were created by God. As we use Psalm 78 with Danny and Kristen, we were created by God to need the affirmation and the approval and the love of our daddies because our human daddies shape our understanding of God. If your human daddy was a harsh, angry daddy, you probably have this picture of God that he's a harsh, angry God and you'll never measure up. If your human daddy was absent because he was so busy at his job or doing other things, you probably have this picture in your mind that God really doesn't have time for you. But if your human daddy was loving and he was there for you, you probably understand that that God wants to embrace you and it's not hard for you to receive his embrace. But across this particular nation, my dear friends, a huge percentage of people have a very distorted picture of God because of a dysfunctional father-son, father-daughter relationship. When he comes, he will be everlasting, Father. So let him embrace you with his unconditional loving arms. Jesus came, and over and over again, he talked about his father. And he said to his friends, he can be your father, too. That's why I've come. I will pay the full price. You can be adopted into the family of God. And God doesn't have any grandbabies or great-grandbabies. They're all sons or daughters of the Most High God. If wonderful counselor speaks to your heart, mighty God speaks to your head, let everlasting father speak to your relationship with him first and then with others. Prince of peace, royalty. (laughs) He comes here and he speaks to us and tells us that we can actually be heirs. John called him the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Prince of peace. He brought peace, didn't he? Into every imaginable situation. Broken hearts, broken bodies, broken families. He brought peace. My peace I leave with you, he said to his friends. I don't give peace as the world gives. I give you peace. Every one of us has a story in this room. And for most of us in this room, we have not yet found and are living in that full peace. Jeff and Marcia, would you come for a moment? I'm inviting Jeff and Marsha Hendricks to join me here because they are in the midst of something right now that some of you in this room have experienced, and it's a peace-robbing, peace-stealing experience. Moving, packing up all of your belongings and moving from the place where you have lived and the place that you love and the people you love can be one of the most difficult, heartbreaking experiences. Isn't that true if you've ever done that? It's one thing to do that when some company has offered you an unbelievable package. You can't imagine how you're going to spend all the money. Or you're moving to this paradise. It's another thing when you sense that God has
2: said, it's time. Touch your heart? What's God saying? i got a I got a phone call and a text at eleven nineteen today from a church up in Eagle River area, Conover Evangelical Free Church. The congregation voted, and uh, they 're calling me and Marsha up there to serve as a worship pastor and pastor of adult ministries. Mm. The vote was 100% unanimous. (laughs) Not worthy.
0: Have they called you to come like in five years so you got time to prepare?
2: (laughs) January 5th is my start date.
0: How long have you lived here?
2: Marsha was <laughs> was coming to this church before she was born. <laughs> I've been coming here and been blessed to participate in worship and grow in lots of different areas since I was thirteen. I looked for ministry opportunities. I sensed a call about twenty years ago. Pastor Kevin Shorky said that. Jeff, you've got a pastor's heart. I kept doing appraisals and going, yeah, right, whatever, Lord. And uh, then I started to feel like, okay, maybe maybe this is what I'm supposed to do because it wasn't satisfying doing appraisals. Making money was okay, but it wasn't fulfilling And so um, I started pouring myself in more, and I started in school 2010. I'm not done with school, and they said, that's okay, we'll let you finish. We'll help you get certified and licensed and ordained and all that stuff. We just want you up here. There's a lot of connections between Conover E-Free and Calvary. I know the Hoffmans have been there. There's a lot. Um, One of the families that uh, is very involved is Larry and Cindy Smith. Cindy Sutherland Smith. Bob, Cindy's wife, husband. (laughs) I haven't slept much lately. Was the first worship pastor at Calvary Community Church. Cindy's up there and she's very involved in women's ministry. And she and her husband, Larry, are calling me to be their first worship pastor up there. Unbelievable. Bob and Cindy, when they were here, spoke into Marsha's and in my life in powerful ways. We were both involved in youth choir. And then Marsha was involved in handbells and toured with Bob throughout the South at praise gatherings and on the Capitol steps, ringing them bells. So the circle is complete. We don't have all the answers. We have a house to sell. We don't know where we're going to live, blah, blah, blah. But Isaiah 30, 21 says, there will be a voice behind you that says, go this way. Walk in it. So that's where we're at. We're going. We're following what the Lord has said and where he's called us. What else?
0: And the end of verse 7 says, and the zeal of the Lord God Almighty will accomplish this. Because you have trusted him to be your wonderful counselor through many things in the journey of life. Mm -hmm. You're trusting him now to be your wonderful counselor. Wonderful. He couldn't possibly love you more. And he'll continue to speak his wisdom into your life. Because you've trusted him to be your mighty God and he has come to your rescue on more than one occasion, he will continue to do that in ways that you don't even yet know. He will be your everlasting Father. As you take Marsha away from Daddy and her family, in ways that you've never experienced before, you will experience His embrace in part the way you're experiencing right now through the embrace of your husband. And you're not halfway around the world, so we'll probably all end up there sometime. We, we won't all come at the same time. We're
2: looking for a big house so everybody can come. <laughs>
0: And you are now, miraculously, and you will experience the Prince of Peace. As the risen Jesus Christ himself says, take my hand. We'll walk this journey together. I've already gone before you. So, Lord Jesus Christ, as we prepare to come to the table of communion, Jeff and Marcia, uh, follow you from this place and this people that they love privileged and thrilled to respond obediently to your invitation and your call, trusting that you will continue to be a wonderful counselor, guiding them through every question, every challenge. You will continue to be, Lord Jesus, mighty God, more than powerful enough for every challenge they face. You will be their everlasting father, and late at night when they feel all alone, hours away from family and friends, you will embrace them as only you can. And you will be their prince of peace. And the zeal, the passion of the Lord God Almighty will accomplish this for your glory. And that offer is true and available to every person in this room, isn't it, God? No matter who we are, no matter what the journey of life is, no matter what the stuff of life is that we currently are dealing with, the burdens that we are currently carrying, you are a wonderful counselor, and you're ready to speak your wisdom, your hope, your truth into our lives to bring peace into broken hearts. You're ready, mighty God, to unleash your power, to bring clarity and answers to our thinking to break the shackles of the things that hold us and to set us free. You are ready to be our everlasting Father, healing the Father wound, wrapping your loving arms around us so that when those who should love us don't, you will be there. And you're ready to be our Prince of Peace. Walking the journey of life with us and awakening in us a peace that passes all understanding And it's all possible because Jesus, not only did you come, and not only did you speak wonderful truth and heal, but you went all the way to the cross to pay the full sin debt price for every person who's ready to trust you.